Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God has called us to live in a world that's wicked, that's carnal, that's broken, that doesn't honor Him, that doesn't glorify Him. And so, how do we stay unscathed? Like, how do I walk through this filthy world and not begin to take on its stuff? Not begin to take on its characteristics, its thoughts, life. It's, how do I live in this world and not take that junk on to where my life can still be to the glory, to the worship, to the honor of God? This is what I wrote down in my thing. I said this, the impact of the world on us is less when we set out to impact the world. Sometimes it feels like no matter what you do, you can't make a difference in this world. As a Christian, we try to live our lives to glorify God and to build up others. But sometimes we falter and end up picking up more from the world than what we give. Pastor Bill encourages us today to go forward with intentionality. Don't just go with the flow and try to fit in. Be deliberate with your words and your thoughts that they might bring glory to God and clarity to others. Don't fall victim to this world. Be intentional. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 17 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. With most of your pagan practices, they would be sacrifices offered. And God says right here, you guys, they will no more offer sacrifices to demons. They were taking what belonged to the Lord and they were offering it somewhere else. And I want you to just think about that for a minute. Like, how's God feel about that? How's God feel about his people that he loves that he's delivered from bondage in Egypt, that he supplies food and drink supernaturally for, that he loves them with an everlasting love. He's good to them when they're bad to him. How does it feel to God when he looks down from heaven and sees them taking what should be offered to him in sacrifice and they're offering it to, he says, to demons. They're, all, they're offering it to false deities, to pagan gods. Um, we know this about God. The Bible says one of the characteristics of God is that he's a jealous God, Right? Maybe some of you guys, maybe some of you guys have been in a relationship with somebody jealous before. Maybe you've experienced jealousy before. God's jealousy is a little purer than ours. He's not jealous of you. His jealousy is God's, God's looking at what we're doing and yeah, he wants us for himself. He's he's, just jealous, but God realizes it because what you're doing is bad for you. It's not like you being with somebody else is, you know, making him feel bad. God realizes that the person that you're looking to as God is not a God at all. And so he's jealous for you. God wants your love and your affection to be for him only because when you put it towards something else, God knows that whatever you put your love and affection and worship to that's not him is to your own hurt. It's it's a detriment to you. And so that's one of the reasons God was telling me, you guys bring it here, right? I don't want you tripping and doing it over there. So as I look at this, I think, what are some ways in our culture that people, do people do this today? Do we, do we sacrifice to demons? Do we worship demons in our culture? Is it possible that we could do such a thing? Maybe not overtly. Maybe you wouldn't, you know, sit down at the table of Satan and conjure up demons and and, and offer up worship to them. But when I look at demonic realm, what what they do behind behind the scenes and how that many times Christians are brought right in. We're singing their songs. We're laughing at their stuff. We're participating in their foolery. You know, we're, we're spending our, we're, you're spending God's money because if you're a Christian, all the money that you make, you're a steward of God's resources. God blesses you with the ability to make wealth and have a job and whatever you do. And God puts it in your hands as a steward. And when you take the money that he put through your process and you spend it on something that Satan's doing in that sense, right? 
In that sense, you're taking what should be offered in worship, what could be used in some other kind of way, and you're using it in a way that doesn't glorify the Lord. God is saying here, you guys are taking what belongs to me, and you guys out there back in the fields worshiping demons. He says, there'll be no more of that. Um, there's going to be no more of that. You get caught doing that, you're going to die. You're going to be cut off from among your people if you get caught doing that. So for us, right, it's a little different. We're under grace. You mess up. We don't die on the spot. We don't, um, you know, you don't drop dead. Anybody here that's ever spent God's money wrong, took God's money and, and bought something you shouldn't have bought with it or did something you shouldn't have did with it or found yourself celebrating something you shouldn't be celebrating with it under this, this grace that we're under. Uh, we don't get smashed right away many times. And, and it, is, it isn't an immediate thunderbolt. God doesn't just strike us down and deal with us like that. So some people, because nothing happens, begin to feel like maybe it's okay. Maybe God is okay. Maybe God didn't even seem mad. Matter of fact, I'm still being blessed. The Bible says this, right? It's the what of God that brings us to repentance. It's the goodness. It's the goodness of God. Not the baseball bat. Not the thunderbolt. God's just the goodness of God. That brings us to repentance. Sometimes God is just good to us when we're bad to him. It ought to just humble us. You know, I ought to just, I ought to look at his goodness to me all the time and it ought to just bring some humility, some brokenness, some thankfulness, uh, realizing that God is just, God's merciful to me, no matter what I'm like. So again, you know, why would they have been doing these things? It looks like after about 400 years in Egypt, um, they, they develop an appetite for the world. And they wanted what the, the nations around them had. And throughout Israel's history, it would be a temptation for them to go after what the nations around them had. And so you and I, like them, belong to the Lord. We're in a covenant relationship with the Lord. And God has called us to live in a world that's wicked, that's carnal, that's broken, that doesn't honor him, that doesn't glorify him. And so how do we stay unscathed? Like, how do I walk through this filthy world and not begin to take on its stuff? Not begin to take on its characteristics, its thoughts, life. It's, how do I live in this world and not take that junk on to where my life can still be to the glory, to the worship, to the honor of God? This is what I wrote down in my thing. I said this. The impact of the world on us is less when we set out to impact the world. So the impact that the world has on us is much less when we set out to impact the world. If you're going to follow God, God's called us to have an impact. He called you to be a light in the dark. Light is impacting. He's called you to be salt. Salt impacts, you know, where it goes. God's I'm called you to be salt and light. So if I go and my intention when I'm going through this world is to have an impact, it's less likely to have an impact on me. I went with a vision. I went with a direction. I went to that thing over there with this on my mind. I had this in my back pocket. I was looking to be a witness over here. I was looking to share the gospel there. I was looking for how I might get the conversation moving God's direction. So when you're in the world seeking to have an impact, you're a lot less likely to be impacted by it. But when you just meander through this world aimlessly, not really following the Lord, not really going with any kind of sense of direction, before you know it, you start taking on stuff. Like, that is funny. <laughs> you know, you start looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. And let me let put that in my ear. Let me hear me listen at that. And, and there, there you go. World starting to impact you. It's just taking this. It's just coming on. Where'd you get that outfit from? Or what's left of the outfit? You know, it just, it, it'll start getting on you. So you got to be intentional about our time on this earth. The Bible says that we're to redeem the time for the days are evil. And we're not supposed to just be kind of like, I'm just in the world, just living. Just see what happens from day to day. Um, every Christian, there should be a sense of direction that you have for your life. 
Um, that's why we are always challenging and encouraging you. Spend, spend time in the Word every day. Do the Bible reading. Pray. Ask God to give you vision, direction, instruction for your life so that you're, you're not just kind of meandering purposelessly, but you got a sense of purpose. You're, you're going somewhere. There's a focus. There's a purpose. There's a direction. Um, you're aiming somewhere. I, I, earlier this morning, I took um, BJ as a, a little puppy, and it's a little pit bull puppy, and I walked him and Harmony's dog, and as I'm walking through the neighborhood, I felt the puppy all of a sudden. I'm just, I'm walking straight, but I felt the puppy just pulling this way, and I'm like, I don't see anything initially, so I'm like, stop it, you know, and I, I keep going, and he's just pulling this way, and then I, I get beyond, beyond the car that I'm walking by, and somebody got a little chihuahua that's out. And so I let both my dogs go and attack it. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, we were just walking just fine this way until his, his aim got off over here. And the, the leash kept going this way. He had a new sense of direction. He really wanted bad to go over there. While we're trying to walk with the Lord, we got to be careful that we don't get pulled away. That, that while we're walking, that we don't, something doesn't catch your eye over here that just pulls you away. Happens all the time. Somebody be walking with the Lord real strong, just doing pretty good with the Lord, and then and then she calls. That that one from way back in the day. She don't know the Lord yet either, but she calls. And now it's like, well, well, I was I was lonely. The Lord didn't send nobody in time, so and there go there go two years without the Lord. Um, for other people, it could be some opportunity that you didn't take the time to pray about. Don't know if it's a God opportunity because you know you guys know Satan opens doors too that he gives opportunities. And so if you don't pray about everything, you'd be going in. Oh, it's an opportunity, though. It, it opened. The first door opened. Josh and Joshua, uh, the Gibeonites came. And they, 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 they realized everywhere Joshua was going, they were smoking people. So they were like, man, before he gets to us, we're going to get to him and we're going to trick him. And they put on old shoes and moldy bread and torn wineskins. And they said, we came from a long, these things were brand new when we left home. Now they all torn up. We came from a long way, from way over there. We don't even know what it's called, but from way over there. And we want to make a, a we want you to make peace with us. Make a treaty, sign a treaty, say that you won't harm us. And so he says, yeah, we'll do it. And it says afterwards that be didn't seek counsel of the Lord. So now the people that God had told them to kill, wipe them out, get rid of them. They're in a covenant with them. They, now you got to, they got to live with you forever. You got to honor the commitment. Now if you kill them, God going to get you. And how did they end up there? Just didn't seek counsel of the Lord. It seems so simple to just stop and say, God, I'm going to pray about that. And take advantage of my privileged relationship with the living God who knows everything. Let me ask him before I do something. Well, they didn't do that. And they ended up in a covenant with the Gibeonites and it cost them. Um, they made them woodcutters and water carriers, but it wasn't God's original plan. God would have had them cut them out. So, so back to Leviticus, we want to walk in such a way um, that we're not taking on the thoughts, the ideas, the opinions, the views, the junk of the world in which we live. We have to remember that I've been called to impact this place. You know, you live in a fallen nature. Some of us, I, didn't, I wasn't always saved. So my flesh still has some stuff that it remembers from back in the day. And I got to be careful about that. My flesh is like, oh, I remember that. You can just be driving down the street and you can hear in somebody else's car a song. And I'm bad with that. I, I, my mind remembers songs. And all the music that I knew when I wasn't saved was all bad, most of it. So when I hear a song, it's like, hey, I know the whole rest of the song. And sometimes without even thinking, I just start singing the words. And BJ's like, hey, Dad, where do you know that song from? To the devil. I got to stop singing. Like, I, I can't excuse it. I, I, you know. But it's there. It's just right there. And so while we got to be 
focused and walking. I got to walk with the Lord. I got to be intentional about what I'm doing. So uh, now look down at verse seven, the rest of verse seven says they shall no more offer the sacrifice to demons after whom they have played the harlot. This shall be a statue forever throughout all their generation. Now eight through ten. Also, you shall say to them, whatever man of the house of Israel or of a strangers or of the strangers who dwell among you, who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the door of the tabernacle of meeting to offer it to the Lord. That man shall be cut off from among his people and whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you, who eats any blood. I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. So two things, two, two things here. You're going to be cut off from among your people, which again, usually that meant you were going to be put to death. That's how you're going to be cut off from among your people. Um, first, you're going to be cut off from among your people if, if you offer burnt offering or sacrifice and you don't bring it to the door of the tabernacle. God said, if you don't do worship the way I prescribed, you're going to be cut off. And then he said, if you, if you partake of blood, if you consume blood, God didn't want them consuming blood. Some of this, I'm sure, was just for health purposes and, and so forth. Um, we're going to talk about blood, and I hope you guys, hope anybody here not not sensitive about blood. I'm going to talk a little bit about blood. I, I was kind of fascinated this week, and just in preparing and listening and reading different things, and just just to learn all the different things that blood does and what's in it and how it functions, and you know all the different things that it does. Well, God said, look, it's it's he's going to give he's going to give two reasons why a little bit later. But guys, I don't want you taking the the sacrifice somewhere else. I want you to bring it to the door of the tabernacle. If you don't, it's like taking what belongs to me and offering it somewhere else. God says you're going to be cut off. So once again, they didn't have the liberty to say, you know, I don't want to go down to the, to the tabernacle. The priests take forever. It's all long kind of lines. I don't like the people over there. I'm not going to go. God said you don't have that option. You'd be cut off from among your people. Um, then he changes gears in verse 10. He says, if anybody eats any blood, I'll set my face against that person who eats the blood and I will cut him off from among his people. And so we'll come back to that in just a minute. Why God doesn't want him to partake of blood um, for you guys like your steak, you know, bleeding. Some of y'all like your, your steak fresh off the cow. and It's just not cooked yet. You know, back in the days here, it need to be medium well, no blood. Um, the idea is a little, little different than that, too. They, they, they had to bleed out the animals before they cooked them. So those that eat food that's kosher, you know, they cut it and they hang it and they bleed it out and they drain it of all the blood. And, and God's going to say just in a little while that life is in the blood. Um, and it's, it's true. Blood is what sustains. If, if you, if you get cut really bad and your arteries and everything cuts and you just bleed out before you know it, I mean, that, that's your life is leaving you. Um, you bleed enough ounces of blood out, you dead. That's uh, life is in the blood for you, for the animal kingdom, for everybody. And so God says, the blood is life is in the blood. But He's also going to say this: uh, the atonement comes through the blood. So the, there's atonement. The, the, the way that I atone for your sins is through the blood. It's a big deal. I want you to honor it. I want you to reverence it. I don't want you to be drinking it. I, I must also say this because He told them about offering sacrifices to demons. Well, in this culture. Like what you see today, a lot of times, a lot of pagan cultures would take from what God had and they would do it in a way that was, it was always blood involved, but they would do it in a way that was detestable to the Lord. Um, how many cultish practices today do they offer sacrifices? They offer animals. They kill animals. Uh, during the Halloween period where some of the different uh, covens and people that are witches and people that actually practice Satanism, 
You guys know they kill animals. Your cats is not safe. Um, they go up to the mountains and kill animals. They take goats and kill them and do all kind of weird things with the blood. Those are all perversions of what God had. Well, it was not any different back then. People were doing weird things with blood. God said, y'all don't do that mess. Don't be consuming blood. I don't want you participating in those things. Look at verse 11. He says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And so God is here saying, look, the blood is important. Um, It's the life, but it also has made atonement for you, for your sins. A few facts about blood. Um, I'll try not to bore you with them, though they were exciting to me. Every hour, this is what I learned from other people. I'm not a medical doctor. I can't argue these points, but I believe it was a credible source, so I'm going to say it. But if it happens to not be a credible source, (laughs) it's not Bible. But supposedly every hour, about 58 quarts of blood flows all the way through your body. Um, That's why the heart is such a big deal, because the heart is the, the muscle in your body that pumps blood throughout your body. So if you have an issue with your heart and your heart stops pumping blood, then you die like that. Yeah, just because all the things that are happening in your body right now, while you're sitting here, if, the, if we go an hour in the study, if you guys are sitting for an hour, the blood in your body will circulate through your entire body 88 times in an hour uh, if everything is working right. Uh, you got a weak heart, poor circulation, you know, it could be off by a little bit. But in general, that's what's supposed to be happening. So just I'm just sitting there. I was like, wow, just as I sit for an hour. 88 times my whole body, all the blood and all my body goes all the way and, and it does everything it's supposed to do. I can't, as I look at these things, I, I have a hard time fathoming how somebody could look at the human body and just say, yeah, it just evolved out of, it just first it started out of nothing and then the thing just evolved to do all the things that it does. It's quite amazing when you look at all the things that it does. Um, in our circulatory system, which which allows the blood to travel, you got veins and arteries and capillaries, and then they go bigger, smaller, smaller. The capillary, the smallest one, is as small as a hair. And so, when your blood pumps through your capillaries, it causes friction. So, if you got good blood flow, then you're warm. So, if you find that someone's hands and cold, your hands and feet are always cold. You got bad circulation. If you got good circulation. And that's how some people are like, man, he's always hot. We say he's warm-blooded. Um, now he's got good circulation. Them capillaries is kicking in and doing what they're supposed to do. That's that's Those are good, healthy things that happen in our body. But this is amazing, right? If you get a cut, if you go out and you fall down and you get a boo-boo and you skin your knee or whatever, right? All the, your body, somehow your body knows that a cut happened right here and your body kicks in the gear. There's blood that there's blood that flows in a direction. There's cells that go to coagulate the blood to stop it from bleeding. If you're healthy, if you're not a hemophiliac or something like that, that it goes to coagulate the blood so it stops bleeding. The white blood cells go to kick out the infection um, so you don't rot to death right there. And all these little systems, guys, I did all that. I did I, I did all those things that you might live and, and that you that, that, that your body might do the things that it's supposed to do, right? I can't look at all those things and say, yeah, it's just kind of happenstance. You know, our bodies just kind of just came together one day in a happenstance of events. And I I won't bore you with any more, but I I was quite amazed over the week just looking at all the different stuff that the blood does in the body. 
And so God says here, look, blood is the life, right? You can't live without it. If your if your heart start stop pumping it, you'll die. And if you bleed out enough of it, you're gonna die. Uh, you cut an artery and bleed out, you're gonna die. Blood is important. It keeps life in you. It keeps life in the animals. That's why I don't want you consuming it. But the second reason why is it's what I atone for your sins with. The blood of Christ. And we know that the blood of Jesus was was used to atone for our sins. The blood of Christ. And so it's a big deal. Um, the blood of Christ is unique, right? Uh, when the animals that came to be offered up, that their blood, they were going to be offered up. What, what, is, what was one of the things that were necessary for the animal? What, as they were examined, what had to be proven or shown for the animal? It was flawless, spotless. Had to be a perfect lamb. It couldn't have a blemish. You know, you can go out to your herd and be like, I'm going to give the Lord that limping goat. I'm going to get a Lord that one-eyed goat. You know, you, I mean, you had to bring your best. It had to be the, the animals without spot, blemish, without any kind of uh, Im- imperfection. It had to be perfect. And that was setting us up for the picture of what Jesus would be. The spotless lamb of God. That he would come to earth and live a perfect, holy, sinless life. And he would be the spotless lamb that would die for you and me. That his righteousness could be imputed to me. As, as my guilt and shame was imputed to him and he died for it, um, God has set this thing up a long time ago that, that when Christ would come, these things would be impactful and meaningful to the believer. And so here God is telling the, the children of Israel, you guys, why, why y'all want to do what the pagans are doing? Why you guys want to drink blood and offer sacrifice to demons? Man, just come to the tabernacle. Come worship where God really does exist. I struggle with this, right? Is I look at them and I think, man, for people that have experienced the miraculous, somehow in my mind, my mind says, if we just saw the miraculous more, it would be so much easier to just believe. But when I read about them and how much they experience, it's not true. It's not true. I mean, if they're getting fed every day, manna from heaven, right? And were they thankful? No, they start complaining. They start, they, I mean, it's, I, 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 they could be glad I'm not, I would be a terrible God. If I'm, if, if I'm going out of my way as God to supernaturally drop enough manna every day to feed everybody, right? There was no allergies, right? If you weren't allergic, I was allergic to the man, I couldn't eat my portion. Uh, it was, it was a perfect thing for everybody. You didn't have no allergic reactions. It wasn't no gluten free version of the manna that would fall down. It was, it was, it just fell down. It was perfect. It was enough for everybody. Every day needs met, done. God took care of it. And they complain. When, when they started complaining, you know what they did? They started looking back to when they were in Egypt. They're like, oh, but we had, when we was in Egypt, we had leeks and onions and we had, you know, maybe it was more flavorful foods they had, you know, but you was a slave. And that's how dumb we get in our flesh. You start, you start longing backwards like it was better, but it wasn't better. You were in bondage. Be careful about doing that in your relationship with the Lord. You get walking with the Lord and you hit a rough patch. And you start looking back. I had so much fun when I was in the world. I was always fun. Man, I remember laughing. And no, man, you had to be high and drunk to enjoy it. Do you remember the price tag? Do you remember the, the, the negative things that happened? you remember the jail time or whatever other ramifications came? Because sin has a price tag. You don't remember all that. Do you remember you were in bondage back then? You know, we'll forget all of that and just be like, yeah, I remember laughing, though. Well, if you got to be drunk to laugh, is that good? Is that a good time? It's a fraudulent good time, right? So God is telling them here, I, I want you guys to just bring it to the tabernacle. Come, come meet with me on my terms because he loves us, right? It should be easy for us to just say, God, you know, God loves me. I want to meet him on his terms. I want to go where, where he wants to meet with me and I want, to, I want to meet God on his terms. Verse 12 now, 12 through 14, it says, Therefore I said to the children of Israel, 
No one among you shall eat blood, nor shall any stranger who dwells among you eat blood. Whatever man of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwells among you who hunts and catches any animal or bird that may be eaten, he shall pour out its blood and cover it with the dust. For it is the life of all flesh. Its blood sustains its life. Therefore, I said to the children of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh for the life of all flesh is in the blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Thanks for tuning in. Leviticus is often a book that gets overlooked and misjudged. Though it seems to be full of meaningless and insignificant rules, nothing can be further from the truth. All of Scripture is so important to understanding not only your faith, but also the heart of God. When God created the Ten Commandments, they weren't meant to control. They were meant to help guide. God desires for all His children to understand that life in Him can be full and rich. And that's all God wants for you too. But He won't force you to live in Him or live by His guidance. You get to choose it. What a gift. If you're looking to dive deeper into Leviticus or other scriptures, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word of God on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus. But before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support a transforming word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to you joining Pastor Bill again next time, right here on A Transforming Word.